Okay, returning from break. <laughs> Back to 11.6, the first reading of new revised or to be repealed board policies. Who is on this one? You know, Carolee, I'm going to ask you, what should, what should we be doing here? Um, these are actually um, partially mutual agreements. So the Senate is working on them. They've been through the Council of Presidents, and they are just a first read. We have um, securing of copyright, which we haven't had, uh, intellectual property, which we had a previous policy, but it was very old, um, and then maybe Amanda would like to speak to credit by exam. Um, and well, and, no? Yeah. Okay. And I beg your um, pardon, too, because, yeah. Yeah. Eric was scheduled to take this, but he's he's out with his his son this evening, you know, due to some other issues, and so that's why I called in Carolee to help us out. But Amanda, yeah. if you'd like. Well, we had a policy on the books that was credit by external exam, and then um, we had some regulations that dealt with external exam, and now it's we've gone back and properly exclude, included all exams, both internal and external. And so there are two regulations that go with this um, more general policy on credit by exam. I think Amy was first. I'm just wondering if any of them deviate from what was suggested by the CCLC. I believe this one excludes an optional piece of language related to a test, but I'm going by memory. I am too. I wasn't. Prepared. I haven't looked at these for okay. a while, so um, um, we can certainly get that answer. And this is a first reading. That was my only question: is if any deviated, and if they did, if they were reviewed by our legal counsel. That's it. Well, so does any deviation have to go to legal counsel? Because I'll just let you know that we don't adhere to the legal language just outright. I mean, when we make changes, we do it because we think it's appropriate. We don't take out legal, anything legally required, but if the group working on it sees, you know, where it's optional, sometimes they do veer from the language. Yeah, it's like I think CLEP, we don't use that standard, so it was removed. First read, I guess my, my suggestion for, for the board chair and, and for them, if you have questions, just please forward them over and we'll look. It's first read and yeah, we'll get and back we'll, to those. We'll get the league policy for you. Great. Thank you. 12 consent calendar. Are there any items anybody has a question about? I had, yeah. yeah, I had questions about the agreements, but we kind of addressed them earlier. Okay, so there being no questions or request for removal from the consent calendar, it's adopted by consensus. Oh, well, I consent. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your enthusiasm. (laughs) No. No. By consent would just be done. Okay, so item, item 13, action items. 13.1, ratify financial documents. Anybody have questions or comments on the financial documents? 
not, do we have a motion? Second. We have a first and a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Let's do electronically. We have technology. Um, (laughs) If we're up. Things got um, stopped and logged out, so if you'd give me just a moment to log in, I can. Okay. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. And I'm sorry, who made the motion and second? <coughs> now we'll see if you can click. Okay, it should be going now. Motion was approved unanimously. Thank you. 13.2, public hearing, Napa Valley CCD 2017. Is that supposed to say 2018 adoption final budget? And you're going to open that public hearing. So I will open the public hearing. And hearing no. Do we have any? No one would like to speak to this item. Seeing no one approaching the podium, I will close the public. Go down to 13.3, 2017, 2018 final budget. Second. I think he's going to present. Yes. I need him. We have a. (laughs) Yeah, heck yeah, they're happy. I have a question. Can I ask it now, Mr. Chair? A question on budget the presentation. He might answer it in the presentation. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't think so, but go ahead. Right. Good evening, board, staff, community members. I believe we still have some community left. Um, so thank you for being here, or, you know, for allowing us to present the 2017-18 final budget. As Amanda had um, mentioned earlier in her report, uh, we're in our first year of piloting, merging our committees. So the planning committee was a standalone, was a shared governance committee, as was the uh, budget committee. So we did merge it in August and listed up here our committee members were from both planning and budget. Uh, we did absorb some of our former planning committee members and also kept some of our former budget committee members. So in the hopes of facilitating communication, uh, expediency with processes that we have to um, do throughout the year, uh, we did approve through our committee, the Planning and Budget Committee, the final budget to present to you. Uh, this is just a brief timeline of the processes that we went so we went through. We've been working on this for about a year. Started last year. We did have planning priorities that the board approved back in uh, 2016 that uh, were for two years. And you can sort of list so You saw this as part of our tentative budget that we brought to you back in June. The um, final budget 
was presented to the cam- campus community in an open forum back in uh, September 5th, and I believe Trustee Baker was there. So thank you for being there. And um, we're here today to present the budget for your approval. Just really quickly as a reminder, we did have five planning priorities. First one being a, um, using results of student learning outcomes. Second one, facilitating a seamless progression of our students. Third, evaluating and improving instruction and services. Fourth, evaluating and increasing the effectiveness of institutional planning processes. And fifth one, developing an integrated resource planning system. I'm going to turn it over to Robert Parker, who will go over the rest of these slides. Thanks, Maria. And since... uh Trustee Baker was at the forum. If you have any questions at the end, you can direct them to. I Trustee thought you were going to say I could go take a break. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. Just to be back for the vote. So, um, so our revenue assumptions really have not changed, but the impact of some of those revenue assumptions on our local budget have changed, and that's really because of that switch. We're going to talk about that in a minute from being a state apportionment-funded district to a community-supported funded district. And so the state cost of living increase came in at 1.56%, but as we're not apportionment funding, that really only affects our categorical funding, so our triple SP, our uh, student equity, uh, things of that nature. The state base funding increase of $160 million really has no impact on our budget, because that would have increased were we apportionment funded, that would have given some additional apportionment funding. But given the fact that we've switched to being community supported, not an impact on our budget for this year. Property tax revenue, we are uh, projecting to increase at 4% based on trends from previous years. And then, as I say, we shifted from being state apportionment funded to community supported um, funding. And so we've talked about that this before, but it bears repeating. What does that mean? The state determines what our total computational revenue would be based on the number of full-time equivalent students we serve and the dollar amount per full-time equivalent student, plus some other factors like a certain uh, level of funding for a college of our size and a certain level of funding for a center of the size of the Upper Valley Campus. Once the state determines what that computational revenue will be, then they look at your local enrollment fees and your local property taxes. And to the extent that your local enrollment fees and local property taxes do not meet that total computational revenue, then the difference comes from the state, and that's your apportionment. And so as we've said before, if your total computational revenue is $30 million, you collect $3 million in enrollment fees and $22 million in property taxes, then you get, the state gives you that $5 million difference. If, however, your enrollment fees and property taxes meet or exceed that total computational revenue amount, then you do not receive apportionment funding. And the good news is that to the extent that those local revenues exceed that total computational revenue, you keep that locally. And so in our example, the last bullet there, if total computational revenue is $30 million, 
we collect $3 million in enrollment fees and get $20 million, $28 million in property taxes, that's $31 million. That $1 million in additional revenue stays at the local district. So when we looked at, and these, and what I should preface, I should preface this all by saying there are very few changes from the uh, tentative budget that you adopted in June and the final or um, approved budget that we are presenting to you today. We still have the same funding priorities that came out of the um, the um, planning and budget process in the area council, so from Office of Instruction, additional funding for instructional supplies, lab equipment, accrediting agency fees for the health occupations program, entry fees for athletics, equipment repair for the VWT program, things of that nature. In student affairs, equipment for the AOPS, veterans and veteran services offices, funding for an increase in Umoja consortium fees, some membership fees to ensure that we are members as an institution of organizations that we uh, should be at the table with to represent Napa Valley College. Um, an increase in local funding for work study programs and equipment and licensing fees for college police. In administrative services, we just had two additional funding requests, and that's not because we don't need any money, but rather we had things funded in last year's budget that we are implementing this year, and so no additional funds were required for that. We need an additional vehicle and facilities, and we're purchasing some cleaning equipment for the facilities department. And then finally, when we, when we look at the uh, President's area. In the President's office, we did put some additional hours of legal consulting in there this year. That was really to uh, 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 account for the fact that legal fees exceeded the budget last year. We also have professional development opportunities funded for the Board of Trustees. We put some funding in for 75th anniversary activities and in the Office of Human Resources some additional supplies and materials and advertising to allow us to uh, do more outreach. In terms of staffing, we did fund some additional staff uh, positions, and that funding for additional staff positions was to re replace the use of hourly employees and consultants. So there were some areas where we were consistently using hourly employees or consultants, those were really ongoing needs of the district, and so we uh, added some positions, some positions at the Performing Arts Complex and um, Arts and Humanities, just to name a few of the positions that were added. So now, looking at the budget, so what you see, and this is the General Fund Unrestricted Budget. In your full packet, you have the restricted funds as well. But looking at general fund unrestricted, where most of the changes would be taking place, we see the final budget, the tentative budget that you approved in June. So the final budget for 1617 is the first column. Tentative budget that you approved in June for 1718. And then the final budget that you're, we're presenting to you tonight for 1718. 
and the differences between the tentative budget and the final budget. The most significant shift, you can see that income is only projected to be twenty-eight, almost $29,000 higher between the final budget and the tentative budget. The big shift is where those funds are coming from. So increase in local income, decrease in state income, not a surprise as we shift to being community-supported. I will point out that when you see the final numbers for 1617, you will see that that shift took place last year. So while we budgeted $7.5 million in revenue from state income, it really came in at closer to $4 million. Conversely, local income budgeted at 29 came in at 33. So that shift really took place beginning in 1617. If we look at expenses, and this is the only place where you see changes between the tentative budget and the final budget. We are looking at increasing faculty salaries permanent and faculty salaries temporary by $100,000. That really reflects the fact that we came in a little over budget on faculty salaries in the 16-17 fiscal year. I would say, however, that when you look at the fact that we are at $13 million in faculty salaries in the budget, we came in about 130000 over budget. That's pretty close um, um, from, uh, in terms of materiality. That's pretty close. I will also say that those shifts... If you took salaries and benefits as a whole, we actually came in slightly under budget on salaries and benefits for fiscal year 16-17. So that's the, it, what you're seeing is a rebalancing of those accounts and not really an increase. Because if you shift, so the other thing that increased in um, salaries was classified salaries temporary. And so those hourly assignments came in over budget last year. Now, permanent classified came in under budget last year, and that really reflects the fact that there were vacant positions that were being filled by temporary employees. Didn't really want to decrease classified salaries, however, in this budget, in recognition of the fact that we may see some impact of the classification and compensation study in the current, in, in uh, 17-18. The offset is in health and welfare benefits. So our health and welfare benefits came in significantly under budget in 16-17. Now, we all know that health and welfare, welfare benefits are increasing. We typically budget those health and welfare benefits based on a percentage of employee salaries. And we just found that the percentage that we used in 1617 for the budget was a little higher than it needed to be. So notice increase of $450,000 in uh, salaries, decrease of 421000 in employee benefits. So taking into account that extra $28,860 that we got in revenue, we still have a balanced budget. No changes projected 
in um, the books and supplies, other operating expenses, capital outlay and cabinet priorities. That reflects the continued inclusion of those um, uh, uh, additional funding requests that came through the budget process, as well as the inclusion of additional funds to support our uh, scheduled maintenance in facilities and our technology refresh policy to uh, purchase new technology equipment. So that's the, so we are still presenting a balanced budget revenues equaling expenditures for the final budget. Having prepared the final budget to present to you tonight, we then went back and updated our three-year forecast. So what you see in the three-year forecast is the actuals for 1516, the final budget for 1617, the final budget that you're seeing tonight for 1718, and then using that final budget as the base for 1819 and 1920, the projections for those two years. We are projecting that we will continue to maintain our uncommitted fund balance of about $5.6 million. We're not projecting to add to that uncommitted fund balance in this three-year projection because there are items that we are continuing to address as revenues start to, to increase. So, for example, we know that we have faculty salary increases that are part of the contract that was ratified last year. So those are budgeted for that three-year period. We also know that we need to continue capital outlay to support our scheduled maintenance program and our uh, technology refresh. A couple of things to note. In 1819 and 1920, we can see that we're projecting an excess of income over expenditures in 1819 of a little over 400000 and an excess of income over expenditures in 1920 of about $138,000. We're not at this point looking to move that into any particular line item. We do know that there will be some um, additional needs in the salary lines as a result of the classification and compensation study. So that's kind of our reserve for that. So notice that over that period, we are maintaining the $5.6 million uncommitted fund balance. Now, the percentage of that our uncommitted fund balance represents for unrestricted expenditures does decrease because unrestricted expenditures keep going up. We do, however, maintain a level that is above the 12% that we set as a goal. And we also know that as we move as you may remember, we set an aspirational goal for six years from last year or five years from now of 15%. What happens once we get past 1920 is that things start, things that have been increasing over these past few years are projected to stabilize. So PERS and STRS increases currently forecasted max out in 1920, so that when we get to 2021 and 21-22, we can start to build that uncommitted fund balance up to that 15% aspirational goal. 
Just a couple more things to note. Set aside money for Persenster's increases. We are in year two of that three-year set aside, so there are there's additional funding for those increases through 1819. Our OPEB contribution, you approved a new um, other post-employment benefits uh, contribution plan last year. Those continue to increase as we get up to being more fully funded. Those are included in the budget as well as the three-year forecast. The salary increases for faculty are included. We have that additional funding for technology and scheduled maintenance. And then finally, we expect the results of the classification and compensation study in 2018, and that will impact the needs in, bless you, classified salaries uh, and administrative salaries going forward. So with that, I'd, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Marianne? <laughs> and no, it wasn't answered, so there. <laughs> um, so my question's about reserves. Yes. I had um, a constituent, somebody in my community who is a um, retired educator, <laughs> and uh, she came to me and said, what's up with the reserves? Why do we have so, why is everybody moving towards these higher reserves? And um, her belief is that the higher, that that's not a good idea because there's all this money sitting there um, that we should be using as an educator. That's her thought. I don't know how other educators feel about that, um, but, um, but anyway, she was, you know, she was pretty convinced that that's not a route to go. And I, you know, let her know that I would try to find out what your thoughts were on that. Sure. So first of all, we, as an institution, we came up with the 12% reserve because that would be a reserve that would allow us to fund salaries and benefits for a two-year period. The main, I'm sorry? Two-year, yeah, two-month, really. I wish it was two years. Two-month period. Thank you, Maria. Um, The main reason that it's important for us at this particular point in time, so years ago a number of colleges and and the the state chancellor's office said you must maintain at least a 5% reserve. And part of the reason for that is that during the economic downturn in California, the money that was coming from the state chancellor's office was deferred. And so payments that were due in August would be made in November. And so as a result, it caused cash flow problems for many districts. And so that was why districts were encouraged to maintain a 5% reserve and even above that if possible. Now, the one thing that shifting from state apportionment to community funded does for us is that while it's, it guarantees to, a, to an extent the amount of money that we get because all of our money is local, so we're not really as, as impacted by the, sh- the shifting tides in Sacramento and what's being funded and what's not, state apportionment money comes in on a monthly basis. Taxes only come in twice a year. And so when you're relying on property tax revenue, which is a good thing, but when you're relying on property tax revenue, you need to have reserves for cash flow purposes because you have to get 
through six months before the next big um, uh, allocation of revenue comes in. So for us at Napa Valley College, that's really the reason why we want to have that 12% and even increase it ultimately to 15% so that we've got the cash on hand to um, ride out any um, any uh, downturn in, in cash flow because of the way our revenue is coming in. I'd like to say to add to that, too, that just things happen. You know, it, it, we could have another earthquake. We could have a building burn down, things like that, that, you know, when even when you have FEMA or you have insurance, those things take months sometimes for you to get reimbursement. So you always need to have some money on hand for the unexpected. Mm-hmm. Does that give you, Thank you. It, it what you need? It gave okay. me enough information to, okay. yes, thank you. Um, so I think you, it was the PERS and STIRS that you said are, will stabilize in a couple of years and won't continue to go up? Yeah, so we are, we are currently, and, you know, we, we, nobody can predict what's going to happen as, as the state continues to look at PERS and STIRS, but we are getting to the point where we're hitting what was projected as the maximum contribution for PERS and STIRS. So that's expected to happen, not in this three-year projection, but the the next year after the three-year projection. The, the OPEB. So the OPEB, the OPEB will continue to um, the OPEB contribution will continue to increase. For our OPEB plan started a year ago, and there are increases over the next ten years until we get to the maximum. But we are building that into our three-year projection, and we'll continue to build that in as the as the projections roll forward. Thank you. Any other questions or comments? Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. So we, we have a motion and a second to approve the final budget. Huh? Where to go? Still need the motion and the second, though. I move to approve. No, we, we already, we already did, did that. Did. Yes. Oh. Poor Bob could even get up there. Yeah, you should be good. That's right. It's approved unanimously. Thank you. Dr. Kraft? Yeah, I just want to I want to thank um, the Planning and Budget Committee and Bob and Maria. Um, great leadership. Um, this is really a... Um, all across the board, faculty, staff, administrators really did a great job bringing this in, and it's a, it's not an easy task, as you know. So I want to commend you, Bob, and your team for really doing just a great job. Thank you. And Michael wasn't really trying to take your spotlight. You know. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Okay, uh, 13.4, Human Resources Document. Move to approve. Your second point of information? Yes. What does FOIST approved mean? What are you referring to? Under workflow on uh, 13.4, it says FOIST approved. What does that mean? 13.4, I don't know. Oh. For, for what? Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, was there a second? Was there? I didn't hear a second. Second. Any other questions or comments? Nope. Call the question. 
approved unanimously. Thank you. 13.5, second reading and approval of BP 3600 rules for auxiliary organizations. Move for approval. Second. Any discussion? Amy? I just had a question. Um, so all the things that were struck, all the details, is the idea that those uh, will go into the AR that, and that will come before us later? Um, the AR does not need to come before you as a regulation. Um, but, yes, they were struck and moved into the regulation uh, to match the league policy, although now we're tweaking it a little bit with the new manual information. So, let's see. So there's one part, and this is actually in the bylaw, so I guess it's still covered, but um, I was reading the Ed Code on auxiliary organizations, and one of the things that came up when I was reading it is that the composition of the board of directors is decided by this board, um, and we're taking it out of the board policy, but it is in the bylaws. It's the same language in the bylaws. But I do want to point out, because there's been discussion about board members serving um, on the board of directors, and I just want to point out that both in the board policy and in our bylaws, there's, uh, that's not one of the options in terms of being on the board of directors. So I'm trying to find it in the old policy. I thought that we had modified our guiding documents to allow for that, and it is specified as allowable in the new manual. Okay, so when I – well, I pulled up the, old by, the bylaws, and they still say the same thing that this old policy says in terms of who can be members. Um, but even if the bylaws were changed, that would need to come before the board. So here's the, the Ed Code says. Yeah, I think they did, actually. Back. No, no, we never voted on the bylaws. We never voted on a bylaw change in terms of membership for the board of directors for the auxiliary organizations. Um, so it says in Ed Code, it says, each auxiliary organization formed shall have a board of directors composed both as to size and categories of membership in, a coordination, in accordance with regulations established by the district governing board. So I guess what I'm saying is that if we're going to change the bylaws, uh, that it needs to be approved by the board in terms of the membership. And currently, the membership is the board members are not among the options. So I just wanted to confirm that the board members that are on those boards are acting as advisory and aren't voting members of those boards. Is that accurate? Um, I'll double-check, Amy, but I am almost 100% sure going by memory here. We checked with legal, we changed the documents, and we've talked about this several times. So I think all our ducks in a row, but I'll verify again. Okay. Yeah, the board, you're saying that we think that we approved the bylaws change, this board? Uh, I'm thinking that whomever needed to approve the bylaws did. Okay, well, I, I, we've never brought the bylaws forward because I actually have a lot of questions about the bylaws. I'm hoping they will come forward, but they've never been come, come forward for a change by this board. So I'm assuming since the board had to approve the bylaws that we would have to approve any changes to the bylaws. And reason. membership composition in Ed Code specifically says that this board decides membership. So that couldn't be changed without that going before this, this board. Our so. board did determine to have a board member on there. And that's why I... We, I as, uh, I remember that. The original yeah. discussion was that it would be advisory, and we, uh, Joanne Busenbach was here. I actually agreed with her 
for change and actually made the point that the reason why that position should be advisory is because no board member can act separate from this board. They have no power to act separately from this board. So being a voting member on an auxiliary for is it would be, she said it, we, she wouldn't go for it. We actually agreed with that. And then somewhere along the line, all of a sudden, they became voting members, and that never came before a vote before this board. So that's a situation. I mean, I approve of the policy change. It's kind of a separate note, but I'd like the bylaws to come forward, and we need to clarify the role of these board members on these auxiliary foundations. We can certainly do that. Okay. Uh, Manveer? In the final paragraph, there appears to be one too many spaces between the final between a period and the word such state funding. In the final paragraph, right there. Oh, I think it's a, it's a justified paragraph, so it kind of spaces out so the right edge can be even, and that's kind of what you're seeing. That's but that's right, but but it it shouldn't be justified that way. So it should thank not you. Not be, yeah. But that's what you're seeing. So thank you. We're correct. So is it supposed to be like that? Or? No, it's not. Okay, it's okay. not. No, I'm just saying that's what you're seeing. Okay. I think we had a motion and a second. First and a second to approve, so call the question. It passed unanimously. Thank you. 14 board reports, 14.1, standing committee and other appointment reports. We have the... Viticulture and Winery Foundation Board of Directors, Iverson. Uh, the VWT Foundation Board did meet. I missed the meeting, but I did come on, come in after my wife was in labor, so I missed that one. No excuse. Um, <laughs> rock star. I did uh, come back. I came in uh, earlier this week and did meet with Dr. Kraft, and I reviewed the minutes, so a couple things. Uh, we have a new marketing assistant part-time for the Viticulture and Wine Technology Foundation. That's Claudette Shadow. hope I pronounced that right. Um, we're currently working on a draft job description for a student event, support for wine-related events. Um, Anne Branch, executive director of the Napa Valley College Foundation, she's working on a grant to help fund the campaign. Um, we also, vineyard wine production was discussed. Our campus vineyards are health, the fungus issues has decreased, and this year our yield is lower than last due to the uh, issue with irrigation. Um, we need funds for a new pump. We're working on creating a marketing plan for working with the BWT Foundation. Claudette Shadow, of course, is going to be part of that committee or part of that group that's working on it. And the board did approve a master agreement addendum and quarterly and year and financial reports ending in 6-30-17. So our next meeting is scheduled for November 2nd, and I will be there. Great. That's Thank my you. report. Legislative Affairs Committee. We um, did not meet this month. Our next meeting is in October, and I don't have the date in front of me, but uh, we will be meeting in October. Okay. Audit and Finance Committee. Cusco. Yes, we are. So um, we'll be scheduling a meeting in October with the auditors. 
district auxiliary uh, we were rescheduled and our next meeting will be October 30th Mr. Chair yes one other thing I can't remember if we had but Manveer had asked to be part of the legislative committee I don't know I think we did put we that up before that no one came back to me on that. I did ask about it. I, don't, I didn't get a response we, um, back. Is there a question? Because I thought we addressed that. So, so I can go to it? Yeah. Okay. You're in. Okay. <laughs> so you, you are officially appointed to the committee. Thank you, Chair. Okay, 14.2 uh, ad hoc committee reports, real property asset management, Baldini. We, we met via telephone, at least, uh, uh, Chairman Rios and, and myself. Uh, uh, Iverson was somewhat um, missing, or he was missing. And I think something about uh, giving birth or something like that. But uh, we, we were on uh, on. A uh, conference call with uh, Mr. Bob Parker and and Dr. Kraft regarding their um, uh, their report on the process of of the uh, interview and and their recommendations as far as the company that they were going to bring forward to the board on this date, which was what we heard earlier about the housing Balfour Beatty. We did uh, uh, ask for some clarification, which was answered this evening on, on again, the process of, of uh, the RFQ and then the uh, respondents and and how the, the net was cast, if you will, and, and the feedback and response and, and so on and so forth, which uh, um, we looked forward to continued discussion, but that was the extent of our involvement, and, and uh, we made no selection. We just heard from uh, from the staff regarding their their recommendation, which we heard tonight. Thank you. I see you're getting ready, Marianne. I'm ready. I'm ready. So, staff, Cynthia and Carolee did a fabulous job of putting some drafts together for us to have for today, but uh, I was not. I was out of town last week and did not follow up with that, so we did not uh, get those, get the feedback to them and get those in front of us uh, tonight. So we'll... Definitely give them feedback before next meeting, and we'll bring them back. But thank you for doing that. Okay, thank you. 14.3, future agenda items. This is something we've been working on, and now on our agenda. This is um, here if people have items they want to suggest for future meeting. There's no discussion on these items. It's just you might want to see on the future agenda. 
I feel like somebody should make something up just in honor of the fact that it's there. I'll do it. I don't even have to make it up. Cake? I mean, (laughs) cake? Well, I've already said it, but I'll just reiterate here. Um, A review of the Auxiliary Foundation bylaws and also the Prop 13 reform statement that was pulled from tonight's agenda. I'll jump in. I'd like to hear from our sports teams, Um, men's soccer, women's soccer. I think it'd be nice to have them come in. I think it also, just especially with our 75-year anniversary. Okay, so I'm going to jump in, too. I think I brought this up once, but I'll go ahead and get it on the record. Um, I would like to see a presentation from Oscar's team about our programs, maybe one individual program, maybe a you know menu of those programs, but I really find it helpful when... You know, people come in, like we heard about curriculum or various things, but to um, hear more about, like, EOPS. I find when I go to those events and sit down with people that I'm finding out all kinds of information I have no idea about. So that would be helpful. Is that not something kind of what we were doing with the board uh, pre-workshop? That could be that could be a workshop, yeah. So I just want to just a general statement, just stress that we talked about making these items things that are actionable, things that are within our purview, and that we are going to take action on to streamline our meetings. So I, I think anyone, Marianne's, I think that's something we're continuing. Right? I I don't think we ever. No, I don't think we ever said, said that. I, no, I don't recall that agenda items. Period. They had. They were not specified as action. When we met with our, when our attorney came and talked about how we can make our meetings more efficient, she mentioned that in part we should have an action-oriented agenda, that they're either coming to us or they're going to be coming to us. That's not what the committee proposed forward. I like the idea, though, of having it as a pre-board workshop or something, just as a means of getting more in tune. Any other items? I think we got quite the list here. Yes, well, definitely the, the housing. That's gone. Okay. Chair? Yes, ma'am. Um, so I don't know if this would be the right venue for it, but I would like to look into raising the student representation fee from $1 to $2, and the second dollar would be going toward the student center for California Community Colleges. That could be like a discussion to see how the board feels about it. It would have to be voted on by the student body, but it would be. I would like to see what the board thinks about that. Well, would I that be under our purview or no? It seems to be out of our purview. In raising the student, in raising the SRF, would the board have to vote on it eventually, or no? I think that would kind of work its way through ASNBC. I mean, having it here is just... I just wanted to talk about it once. Yeah. Not that we would approve it, but to talk about it and see how the board feels about it. Is that a a possibility? It's a possibility, but I think you just said should be the action. Oh, okay. There's a uh, difference of opinion on whether that will be the case. Um, So we'll, we'll look into that. I guess our answer is it's appropriate. Yeah. 
Yeah, there are reason. other right. There are other uh, considerations that it's appropriate for the board okay. uh, to consider and timing and those other sorts of questions. So okay, let's uh, move on. Fourteen point four trustee and board works. Mandir, uh, start with you. I attended the bond feasibility meeting today, and then before that, the police academy graduation. And just today, so over the summer, I interned with the, the foundation, with the Civic Impact Scholars Program. And today, their coordinator reached out to Ben and I and emailed us saying, Emily, from uh, who's the executive director of CalPerg, was interested in connecting with Napa Valley College for some potential partnership in the future. So that's something I will be getting involved in, hopefully, with CalPerg. Uh, and then the other thing was, I, I have some good news on AB17, which is the, the pilot pass program through the, well, the state legislature. And uh, working with SSCCC, that was a bill we co-sponsored. And it has passed the Senate and uh, Assembly, and it's going on to the governor's desk to become law which is pretty cool. And then I look forward to attending our board retreat, the Adults Correction Academy graduation, and the December Police Academy graduation. That concludes my report. Thank you. Amy? Um, I went to the opening of the Midsummer Night's Dream play, which was fantastic, and I know there's several more performances, so if anybody hasn't seen it, I recommend it. It's going up, I think it's up Valley now perhaps, but it's coming back to Copia at some point. Um, and then I'm busy reading the book Emotional Intelligence 2.0 for our retreat, and I think that was a good selection. I think it was, I'm sure the faculty recommended it, but whoever recommended I think that was a great choice, and I'm enjoying that book. And um, I already said it, but um, I appreciate the increased uh, communication that I've been noticing through the all-staff emails, the um, college let newsletters from Mr. Ernst and also, some of the statements that you've made, Dr. Kraft, to the staff regarding things that are happening uh, nationally. So, um, appreciate that. That's it. Thank you. Rosara? Um, let's see. I attended the Napa Valley Community Foundation um, town hall meeting held on the 7th, uh, and it had to do with immigration. And uh, the day before, President number 45 had rescinded DACA, so that it, was, it was on the agenda. Um, or it was mentioned not necessarily on the agenda. Uh, and there they requested a funds to help um, DREAMers to renew their um, permits, or they requested so that uh, to give them the money to renew their permits, which is you know, $495. Um, got an email today. They got 77 donors for, the, for a total of 44,838, and they were only asking for 30,000. So, so that was that was great. Um, and after that, there was a, a reception at the museum um, on the exhibits, both the Smithsonian exhibit and. Um, another artist, which very good paintings, but the important exhibit is the Bracero. <laughs> um, 
I also attended um, Shakespeare, the Upper Valley Campus. Great program. Um, Napa Valley um, Hispanic Network had their banquet on Friday. It was a great event, um, and we had a lot of fun. Thank you. I attended one of the bond forums, uh, and it was well attended. Um, a lot of great questions and great presentations. Um, uh, wine legislate. Oh, the wine legislative meeting. I thought that was very cool to have that Senate committee, legislative committee here in our boardroom, um, and the panel that was here. The room was full. It was wonderful. It was really great. It was great for us to have uh, that kind of visibility, but also to see how this room could be used. I really liked that. That was great. Um, also, I uh, attended in Anaheim the California Democratic Party Executive Board, because I'm a member, and met some other community college uh, board members, board of trustees, one from L.A., one from San Francisco. And uh, and it was just really interesting to hear from them what they're doing, and some of it was around free tuition for community colleges. So I came back all excited with some great ideas and shared them with Ron. So I'd love to uh, see us explore more of... Uh, of those opportunities, too, that other, and they're much larger than we are, but from big schools come big ideas, right? Um, went to last week in Monterey, the California Workforce Association uh, Conference, and um, I was there with Bruce, with our uh, board, and we did a presentation that got star reviews, very happy about that. One of the things that um, I sought out information, and of course Diana was there too, which I didn't know she was going to be, was you know just how to bring, how to bridge those organizations together to bridge community colleges and the workforce development boards. And uh, and I'm very excited because Diana and Bruce got on their calendars a monthly meeting. So um, I think that that's. Uh, that's where we're going to have a great deal of impact. Went to the Hispanic Network Banquet. That was great. Uh, we had a Government Affairs Committee meeting in American Canyon this morning. Sherry Tennyson was there and talked about job fairs and all that they're going to be doing here in the campus. A lot of local employers were very interested in uh, those programs and how to get involved in those job fairs. And uh, I want to thank Dr. Kraft for the DACA statement. Thank you. Michael? Point of personal privilege. Can we continue using the mics, please? Thank you for that reminder. Yes. Yes. I'll speak up louder. Thank you, ma'am. Were you done, Michael? Yes, I'm finished. Thank you. <laughs> Jennifer? Um, let's see. I attended the Welcome Back Picnic for staff. That was here, and I know you two were there. You didn't mention it, but you were there. Um, I also came for at least part of that uh, joint hearing, 
that was here and, and also was just really impressed with it, it, our ability to host that. It was pretty cool. I went to the staff budget forum. Um, I went to uh, last week, I think it was, I don't know if it was Wednesday or Thursday, but I went to uh, the Dreamers rally that they did down at a Veterans Park. And um, it was really, I know it wasn't a college event, but it was pretty much pulled together by the Dreamers here at the college. And it was just really great to see the community supporting them and also just to see how articulate and courageous they are. I'm glad that we're continuing to support them. And I went to the Shakespeare play up at Upper Valley Campus, took my... uh, Seven and eleven year old. The seven year old went right over his head, but he loved the costumes. And the eleven year old really got it. He was laughing, and on the way home, we had a fantastic conversation in the car all about Shakespeare and and the history of plays and story and poetry. And it was just fantastic. So so excited to be able to get that little gateway play for him. Um, and then went to the uh, Police Academy graduation, which was actually really fun. I, I mean, I've been to a couple of them now, but that one in particular was just really, really nice. I don't know, just a smaller group or had a fan, some fantastic speakers, and it was really good. And then, of course, the bond feasibility study uh, this afternoon, so busy month. Wow. <laughs> So I have currently been indisposed, and uh, as I was going through my personal experience, I just couldn't stop thinking about the future that I think we're all building here and the future of Napa Valley College. I just want to thank everybody in the room tonight, the board, President Kraft, Oscar, all of you guys, um, having a kid now and thinking about his future and education you guys give me a lot of hope in the direction that we're moving in as a team. So, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Kyle. Well, I attended the uh, Police Academy graduation also, and it did have a different feel to it. Uh, and I don't know if it was just because it was smaller or there was a little more time for speaking. I heard more about each of the... Uh, the graduates, uh, so that might have been part of it. Um, other than that, I don't really have much that I remember. Um, so I will take a question. I see a hand up here before we. Not a question. I needed to add to my report, I suppose. I'm sorry, Mandir. You know, at, at this hour, it is just. You, be quick. you had your opportunity. <laughs> we even put you on a committee. We'll give you one more chance. I forgot to mention, I did speak to Dr. Kraft about the Meet the Board event, so that will be coming down the pipeline in the future, and I wanted to add, since I spend more time with you in one room than probably anybody, uh, I will be tagging this semester. I'm doing that right now. So that makes me part of, this, part of a small group of students in California who do community college in two years. So hopefully next year I will not be here. 